Remember here at LeashCast, all we care about is the First Amendment. So if you have any issues about anything that I say, reread the First Amendment and then contact me. Just kidding. You know what? Actually, write a letter, a strongly worded letter, seal it, stamp it, and send it to yourself because I don't care. I love you guys. Thanks so much for listening and supporting. Let's go. Welcome back to LeashCast, guys. It has been way too long, far too long, and I'm happy to be back. I'm sorry I'm not on my new mic. Uh, I was going to surprise you guys with something great and start a new season off with that, but it has been on back order. I think due to COVID and the pandemic, uh, podcasting and uh, just the whole idea of starting podcasts for people has been a huge boom, and a lot of the higher tech equipment is frankly just on back order and I've just been waiting and waiting and I'm not going to wait any longer. So, uh, why wait, especially with information like this. Now I got this information, uh, months ago and, uh, my plan was to jot down the information and come back with a great podcast on how all of this information be pulled together and why I believe that the police will start searching again. And then I pop on the news and I see that they're looking and a chill went up my spine that day because I went oh my god this information that I became privy to now again I must say in the climate that we're in with society the way that it is I have to say allegedly I've said allegedly up and down from the beginning of my first episode to now and I'll say it again (sighs) what this guy did is unbelievable If you still believe that he's innocent, God bless you. And I I truly, I, I hope that one day you'll learn to read the facts, learn the police report, and listen to what I'm saying. Because when you get information like this, like I'm about to tell you, this is stuff that changes the game. And a lot of you will say, you know, one way that you don't believe in what prisoners or convicts or inmates, whatever you want to call them, say, you could say that. But on the other hand, there's no reason why this man had the level of confidence in which he had right after Jen went missing, unless what he said to these prisoners was true. So to set the story... Many of you guys know the story. I'm not going to get into it. You can listen to my past episodes if you want to get my take on everything Jennifer Dulos and the entire case. This stems from when he was at Bridgeport Correctional. And this was right when he got arrested. This guy did not expect this. And while he was going through court and the arraignment, there was one point where he was in the bullpen. The bullpen is where you're under the courthouse, for those that don't know. And you're sitting in a very, very close almost dog cage. I mean, dog cage is putting it nicely. And he was sitting with all these criminals. And I'm telling you, you're not sitting with, you don't get special treatment when you're photos doulos, okay? You're sitting with some of the worst of the worst of guys. And they're going to test you. They're going to try to test you multiple ways. And they're going to see what they can get out of you. And 
he was said to have said this to multiple people publicly and even COs, which I don't know which ones were there and heard it as well. He was there sitting in the bullpen bragging about the fact that he did kill her. He did, in fact, murder her. Allegedly, this is what he said, that Fotis Dulos said to multiple men in that bullpen that he murdered her and that nobody will ever find her the way that he did it. And he sat there with confidence, with a smirk on his face, and was not afraid. Um, now we're going to get into, does this surprise me in any, any which way? No, it does not. There's multiple reasonings on why someone like him would even act like this. Uh, out of fear, out of pure confidence in what he did and knowing that he's going to get out of this somehow. Um, puffing his chest, thinking as a man that, you know, came from privilege, not understanding the inner workings of the underworld of the prison system and how to act in prison. I mean, you saw how scared he was. You guys all saw when he was coming out of that courthouse and he was still in that freaking orange jumpsuit. And he, I remember seeing his mouth move to his lawyer saying, thank you for getting me out of there. It was bad. Um, from what I hear, it was bad, and they were uh, definitely unhappy with him. A lot of you people need to understand that, yes, there are guys in there that have committed crimes that are horrible, but those guys have families on the outside world. And when a guy like Fotis Dulos comes in, a guy that isn't from here, isn't from America, and happened to come here and get educated and have every opportunity given to him, and then he decides to just be a little baby back bitch, and, and this is how they view him, and kill his wife. I mean, that's just, there's no respect there. They have no respect for men like that in prison. Um, as many of you know, it's, I think the first ones are, you know, pedophiles and snitches and all of this, but guys that commit crimes upon women are not viewed highly in any way, especially men that have had the opportunity, like I said, like Fotis had in every which way. He had education, he had a loving wife, and he had a ton of beautiful children that he just threw away because he was greedy for his wife's money. I mean, it's not viewed highly. So, you know, in there, he was not going to do well. And I think that he saw that in there. And I think that he felt a need to puff his chest. Do I believe that it's a lie? Absolutely not. Um, from what I was told that, and I'm telling you, I'll say it again verbatim. He said in the bullpen in front of multiple people that, yes, I committed the crime. He confessed to killing Jennifer and said, the way I did it, they will never find her. Uh, and it just all made sense. This whole puzzle came together for me when I heard this because in my heart I knew, but that doesn't, that doesn't help anything or Jennifer or family. There has to be that missing piece, um, finding her body, finding just 
anything, a fingernail, a tooth, anything that would identify her would allow some sort of closure. And I, I do believe that this type of information is seeping out uh, and uh, it's getting a fire under the police's asses. Um, I don't think that the police uh, aren't doing a good job, but I do think that it was very premature of them to just really hyper-focus in the area um, of the body of water in which they were looking. That's too easy for someone like Fotis Dulos, for a builder, for someone that knows that laying concrete, you know, is some a perfect place to hide a body. You know, that's just from what I've seen on The Sopranos. I mean, in just so many murder cases. I mean, there's... It, killing somebody is not easy. And especially disposing of a body. Um, I've never done it, but sorry, I had to throw it in there. I've never done it. And the way that everything happened for him and all the circumstantial evidence, um, was something that I think was really weighing heavily on him. I don't feel bad for him in any way with what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it was weighing on him. And he knew in the beginning that, he was going to be okay. Or in his mind, he thought he was going to be okay. He felt he was 100% good and good enough to tell these guys in Bridgeport, in the bullpen, I killed her and they will never find her. The way that I did it, they will never find her. I mean, that takes a level of confidence and uh sociopathic behavior and mentality to even fathom saying that at that point. Um, You have to remember at that point in the game, he really didn't know what he was up against yet. I don't believe it. I don't think he knew what the cops knew. I don't think that he even understood how screwed he was with the tampering of evidence. And I think now with him and his suicide, I think things are starting to come together, and especially if this situation, if this story and this information is given to the right people, which I'm very sure that it has, it really allows them to kind of start digging deeper and, and looking further in areas in which, you know, someone would say, you'll never find her in. Now you have, an, now you have a better compass and way to kind of maneuver your thoughts and investigation and say, wait a minute, okay, well, maybe he's not, you know, dumb as rocks and is going to throw her in some lake. He's got something more elaborate. What was he doing during the time of, you know, her, her disappearance? Was he building a house? Was he laying foundation? He had information on uh, septic tanks in, in and around his property or on a property adjacent to his. And I think that investigators are finally starting to kind of put this together, especially on the fact that you guys have to remember the day that he died, the day he took his life was the day he then realized he was going back to jail because something happened with his bond and he ran out of money. So when that happens, you go back and he knew he was so scared. Again, from what I've heard from people that were in there, he was so terrified in there. He's not a big guy. You got to remember that. And he doesn't know how to live a life in prison. He's not made for that. He's too cocky for that. He doesn't have the personality for that. So he knew that there was no way he'd be able to survive that. And he, his personality 
I believe the fact that he was such a narcissist and so engulfed in who he was and what he was determined to obtain in his life. And he saw that crumbling more and more each day that his whole psyche and persona was just crumbled and he could not imagine the ending being the fact that in his mind, Jennifer won even though he thought he engineered the perfect plan, even though he believes the way that he did it, nobody will find her. He knew in that moment he was out of money and whoever was helping him was out of money. And something was happening there where, again, something big with the money in regards to his bail was not coming through. And when that happens, buddy, you're going right back to jail. And at that point, I truly believe that he saw that his grand plan was not working. It was not going to work out. And the last ditch effort of control would be for him to take his own life his own way. And that's exactly what he did. But when I got this information, everything kind of started to come together. Uh, Did I believe from day one, as many of you guys know? Yes, I believed from day one that he did this. But to hear that he was so confident and so utterly cocky sitting there in a bullpen. I mean, we're talking shoulder to shoulder, knee to knee with other men, just talking about the fact that, yes, I did it under a courthouse, literally under a courthouse awaiting going upstairs and saying this to these guys just shows you there are definitely multifaceted sides to this individual. And the side that Jennifer saw the day that she died was one of those types of sides. The side that sits there with other other criminals and boasts about what he did and was happy and excited and was in a way like a weight was lifted off of him and a cockiness that his level of arrogance was going to allow him to get away with this because in his mind, the way he did this, the way he got rid of her, she would never be found. Um, That's chilling. It's unbelievably chilling. It still sometimes keeps me up at night even thinking about. um, And I just hope and pray that she is found. You know, it will not bring any sort of closure. I don't believe that at all, but I think that it'll allow the family to have a better understanding and validation to their own feelings because we all know that they know who did it. Um, They know that he was a coward and that he killed himself because he knew that the state had so much evidence against him with tampering that he was going to go away. He was going to go away for a while, guys. I don't think a lot of people understand that. You know, yes, they didn't have a body, but he was looking at some serious time. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Michelle Traconis. I I don't... She is an enigma to me. I, I can't read that girl. I don't know what she knows. I... It... I really wouldn't put it past her to know some information and that she just won't break. Or she truly doesn't know anything. And the reason why I say that is because Fotis was such a narcissist and was such a perfectionist that I don't believe he would ever allow someone else any sort of control over his plan. So yes, maybe she was sort of in the mix in some way um, with cleaning up something or she was 
you know, distracting other people so that he could do and finish his grand plan of getting rid of Jennifer. I do believe that. I believe she was involved with almost not knowing. And after the fact, I believe that she knew what happened and kind of was just like, well, out of sight, out of mind. I wasn't there. I didn't actually see it happen, so I don't believe it. And that's truly deep down what I think happened. Um, I don't think that his friend, um, what's his name? Oh, my God, he looks like the Grinch. Uh, I don't believe he knows anything. He just got bailed out as well not too long ago. I don't think he knows any details. I truly don't. I don't think that Fotis is dumb enough to get those people involved because it just makes it messier for him. Talking to the guys in prison is a totally different thing. That's him almost feeling this need for this and hope for accolade because you have to understand he's also not getting any sort of accolade and praise. He was getting shit on by the press and for someone like him with his personality, they can't handle that. They cannot. So it's so sad that he killed himself because under pressure, I believe he would have cracked. I do. I believe that he would have cracked. I think he would have been talking a lot more in prison and I think it would have really it really wouldn't nail them to the cross. Um, so that is what I know. That's what I've been told allegedly. Um, it's really chilling to know that there's types of men out there, like I said, that have these multifaceted personalities that can, I mean, act with such charm. I mean, I remember him in that interview on the news from that to slaughtering someone and just without a, you know, batting an eyelash and moving on and truly believing, truly believing that he was going to get away with it. That's why he was running that day. Remember when he was jogging? He was jogging because he was not concerned at all. And that really, really irked me. And I knew deep down that whatever happened, she was long gone. I just didn't know where. And I still don't know where. Um, He did not tell them where. He said you know, I did it again. He said, allegedly I did it and nobody will ever be able to find her. And that is such a statement. I, I, it really takes the breath out of your lungs when you think about it. I can't even imagine sitting there, but again, these are with guys that, uh, were doing some really bad things. So, and again, not all of them were murderers or rapists or anything, but you know, when you're waiting trial, you're with some shady, shady characters. So it could be anybody. And again, a lot of these guys want time off their sentences. So what he did was probably the dumbest thing he could have ever done. But I do believe, like I said, there was an aspect to that of, I need to puff my chest so I don't get killed in here. So I don't look like a pussy. And uh, I think it backfired. I truly think that it backfired. From what I've heard, he wasn't doing well in there. Um, I can't get into much detail, but he was not doing well. He was not accepted well in there. Let's put it that way. Especially after his declaration of saying, you know, allegedly, yes, I killed her and stating that fact and that they will never find her body. I mean, after that, it's just like, I can't even imagine. So again, like I said, from that moment, time goes on and all this other evidence starts coming out on him and he's getting bailed out and Jen's mom's taking him to court and he's just losing money and losing money and losing money. And he's with this new chick and he's 
trying to get her for money. I mean, this guy was such a con man that it finally got to a point where the jig was up. His grand, wonderful plan did not pan out. And he was stuck, truly stuck, literally in that car that morning, thinking, if I go to court, I'm going to jail. He knew it that day. And he, there was no way. He knew there was no way that that was going to go well. Because once he got in and he couldn't figure out bail, he was not going to be bailed out anymore. There was no more money. None. It was done. It's a scary, scary thing to hear. It's shocking. It's really, I think, the biggest thing that really irks me about this is that there are men out there and women that are capable of these things in this world. And what I find so important about solving these types of crimes is that we have to show people that they can't get away with this. They can't go to prison and boast about it and say, yeah, I did it and they'll never find her body. You know, I I mean, it's, you have to find her. And when I started seeing that digging, I thought to myself, oh my God, I am waiting on this story. I'm waiting on this information and I can't wait anymore. It was really getting to me and I'm so sorry that it came late and uh, at a time when I wasn't properly set up with the proper mic and everything, but this information just couldn't wait any longer. Um, This guy, from my opinion and from what I've learned and heard, like I say, allegedly a hundred times up and down, this is what he said to prisoners in prison. Yes, I did it. I killed her. And no one will ever find her body. Until next time, guys. Thanks for listening. I have an episode coming shortly on the Middle Beach murders. um, uh, Excuse me, murder. uh, Or murder on Middle Beach. I keep screwing it up. Uh, That story is really interesting. And it's, again, a murder that happened in Connecticut. Um, I believe in Madison, Connecticut, and uh, I'm still doing some research on it myself because the way that the documentary ended really left you with a lot of, I mean, question marks up the wazoo. And the best thing I could say on that and preparation of that is you never know what happens behind closed doors. I mean, that phrase goes along the gamut from the murder on Middle Beach to the Fotostulos case people portray themselves as one thing in this world and behind closed doors are a complete monster so keep following leashcast like subscribe uh rate whatever you want to do um i appreciate it guys thank you so much to whoever just subscribed for supporting the podcast i truly truly appreciate it. Um, if you want to have a shout out, let me know, message me, um, on Instagram or Facebook. Um, I so appreciate your support. That was so cool. And I'm thinking of shouting out everybody and anybody that decides to support LeashCast, um, in any sort of monetary way to, uh, better the podcast in general. So thank you so, so much. And I'm so happy to be back in the saddle. Talk to you guys soon. Mm -hmm.